Hello, I'm Eddie French, and you might recognise me from such icy news noises as... <coughs> Daddy! And who could forget... <coughs> well, the good news is, is that I now have my own podcast. It's called Pick Scraped, and it is a fortnightly sketch show uh, made entirely by me. So if that sounds like the sort of thing you'd like, go to wherever you get your podcasts and listen to it. Thank you. Pick Scraped. You're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the stories from across the multiverse. A confused Britain celebrates bonfire night as the Chancellor warns of looming spending cuts and tax rises and millions of Brits start to wonder whether Guy Fawkes may have had a point. The Bank of England again hikes interest rates and warns that Britain may be entering its longest ever recession as the economy begins shrinking faster than Prince Andrew in the company of a woman in her 40s. The police say the firebomb attack on an immigration centre in Kent was inspired by far-right ideology, after it is revealed that Andrew Leake spent the months before his attack watching campaign speeches from Suella Braverman's short-lived leadership campaign. And finally, Matt Hancock is suspended from the Tory party for entering I'm a Celebrity. The former health secretary will now head to the jungle to face his greatest fears, and will be locked in a perspex box with the ghosts of 200,000 British pensioners. Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Gore, and you're listening to IC News, the only network bringing you the hottest stories from across the multiverse. We take the news from right here on Earth Prime and then dial it up to its least logical extreme, an approach the Home Secretary also takes whenever she prepares a speech addressing the House of Commons. Let me in, let me in, the refugees said. Not by the hairs on my non-existent chinny-chin-chin, replied Suella Braverman, who continued this week to cling on to her job for dear life, as if it were a dinghy being tossed about in the wake of a cargo ship. The horrific overcrowding at the Manston Asylum Centre, Braverman claims, is a symptom of a broken immigration system. Despite it also being a symptom, the broken system has only developed since she introduced her own non-existent form of medical care for it. It's been a week of positively dreadful headlines for the Home Secretary, first about the horrific conditions at the site itself, then about her cack-handed and frantic attempts to take the pressure off her position by alleviating them during which cold and hungry migrants were shipped into London and abandoned on the street in the middle of the night. Still, at least the Home Office now has some first-hand experience of people trafficking, so that's something. These scandals are all before we even get on to the horror stories of migrant children being sexually abused in the hotels they're being temporarily housed in, despite the clear and obvious safeguarding risks of grouping together vulnerable families and lone teenagers with as-yet-unvetted adult men. For her part, though, Suella Braverman has been as typically compassionate and empathetic towards the plight of migrants as ever. Despite her grotesque failures and the violent attack on an immigration centre by a far-right extremist just a few days before, Braverman went full farage when addressing the Commons this week about the border crisis and doubled down on her inflammatory use of language. But is Suella Braverman right? Do the British public truly see the migrant crisis as an invasion, or is there more compassion than that out there? Our anti-woke correspondent, Cruella Hunt, has been taking to the streets to find out. That's right, Sam. 
I would say thanks for the handover like so many of your limp-dicked, wet-lettuce-beater-cook reporting pool do week in, week out, but I don't want to. Because I don't subscribe to the woke notion of basic politeness, and you can't make me. The Home Secretary and I have that in common. I mean, for Christ's sake, you absolute crybabies. It's just words. What the hell are you so offended about? Oh, look out, everyone. Here comes Suella, and she's wielding a particularly vicious noun. Don't let it pierce your milksop skin, or your persecution complex might leak out and get your hemp sweater all mucky. Where fucking where? Sorry to upend your hand-wringing mainstream media narrative, you spineless wimps. But I think Suella Braverman was brilliant this week. She was just saying what we're all thinking. The immigration system is broken. And the government is failing to deal with it. I mean, yes, she is Home Secretary. And her party have been in power for 12 years. And the Brexit she championed has destroyed our ability to return asylum seekers to safe EU countries that they passed through on their way here. And yes, that's left us needing to process countless thousands more applications in their entirety. Applications that have gridlocked a system that's not fit for purpose after a decade of Tory cuts. But that's besides the point. The point is that she's here now. And she's utterly unrepentant about making the big decisions and doing what's necessary. Just like every other proto-fascist home secretary who's tried and failed miserably over the last few years. And what's necessary, apparently, is allowing processing centres to become borderline concentration camps, pushed far beyond capacity and filled with disease and misery. But that's the hypocrisy of the left for you. When Russell T. Davis does it, in years and years, it's incredible television. But when a brown woman actually makes it reality, it's suddenly horrifying and inhumane. And despite that double standard, these people have got the nerve to call us the racists. Well, we're not going to stand for it. Britain has finally got a Home Secretary who's unafraid to tell the cold, hard truth about what's going on at our borders. Yes, we've just had a mentally unstable, hate-filled lunatic firebomb a migrant centre days before she spoke in Parliament. But look at it this way. The fact that Suella was still willing to speak the way she did, dehumanising migrants and painting them as the invading army, just shows that she's not intimidated by terrorism. That's true leadership in my book. The simple fact is that our brilliant, patriotic, no-nonsense Home Secretary tells it like it is. And your regular salt-of-the-earth Brit agrees with her. The Guardian-reading, tofu-munching, wokerati will never accept that reality, even when it's staring them in the face. That's why I'm here in Kent, talking to a truly fair and representative slice of Middle England by harassing middle-aged white men who are day-drinking in a Weatherspoon's pub garden. People like this gentleman. Sorry, can I help you? Yes, mate, you can. Cruella Hunt, I see news. Tell me, what do you think about the invasion on the south coast? I'm just trying to have my breakfast, love. And God bless you for it. And for that casual sexism that I wasn't even offended by. 
Enjoy it while you can, before the woke mob makes sure it's all halal. This is a vegetarian breakfast, actually, so technically it's already halal. Can you just tell me what you think about the migrant crisis, please? Feel free to use words like scum and vermin if you want. That would be really useful for Twitter, where it's allowed now. Oh, alright. Um, scum's right, actually. They are scum. Oh, yes. Oh, that's the shit. Oh, hit me, daddy. I mean, really, painting this as an invasion, what else should we call these politicians? Just imagine dehumanising thousands of people in one fell swoop like that, particularly when the figures show us that the vast majority of these so-called migrants arriving here by boat have their initial asylum application granted and are therefore recognised by the government as perfectly legitimate refugees. No, that's not what I meant. Inspiring hate like that is not only shameful, it's also utterly disingenuous. Numbers are rising, but the total of refugee arrivals this year hasn't even hit a third of the 2002 peak. What's actually exploded since 2016 is not the number of people seeking asylum, but the enormous backlog in processing their applications. A purely political failure that's part of the cost of Brexit and part of the cost of woeful administrative incompetence by a series of Home Secretaries that have been hard on rhetoric but soft on actual talent. This isn't right. Or it isn't far right. Which is just wrong. I mean, yes, there are now more dangerous small boat crossings, but that is a direct result of our government shutting down the safe and legal routes to claim asylum here, thus forcing migrants into more dangerous methods of entry. There were always far more humane options on the table, like setting up overseas processing centres for British asylum applications in France, a proposition from the French government that's been repeatedly rejected by our own. For fuck's sake, you're meant to be agreeing with Suella Braverman. Why? I thought you said she was scum. No, don't you get it? You're sat here, drinking, on a work day. You're supposed to be anti-migrant. What, you assumed that because I'm a bald white bloke in my 40s in a Weatherspoon's pub garden, I must be a massive bigot? That's pretty racist of you, Karen. How dare you? How dare you? Don't you use that word! That's a disgusting word! Language has power and that word feels bigotry and intolerance and violence against women, you disgusting Nazi piece of shit! Can I finish my breakfast now, please? I'm due back in the office of the Human Rights Law Firm in ten minutes. Get fucked, you snowflake. I'm done here anyway. I'm Cruella Hunt, and there's got to be a proper racist or two around here somewhere reporting. But I see... We now cross an ocean of our own in desperate search of a functioning democracy, but it's looking increasingly likely that the USA might no longer be one. As America heads towards some of the most politically charged midterm elections in its history, the threat of political violence hangs heavy over the whole process. President Biden this week warned against the grave threat that conspiracy theories and election deniers pose to American democracy. Threats that were quite literally hammered home last week in the attack on Paul Pelosi, the husband of the Speaker of the House. Joining us on the line today to discuss the political climate in the run-up to next week's pivotal elections, it's our regular contributor from Trump World, John McDonalds. Hello, Sam. That's right, it's me, Average John. I'm just your standard American man, working 9 to 5 at the Coca-Cola garage before going home to my hot Christian wife. I love guns, beer, America, and voting for Trump because he's a patriot just like me. Thanks for joining us, John. 
I take it you've not been sold on Biden's argument that election deniers and conspiracy theorists now threaten the security of the American democratic process, then? Oh, here we go with the excuses. We're losing, so it must be because of a conspiracy. What are you, Sam? Twelve? Because I can tell you, I don't deal in conspiracies. Not at all. I deal in cold, hard facts and real estate fraud through grotesquely inflated property valuations. Um, uh, oh, uh, um, um, or at least I would if I were rich. But I'm not rich. I'm just an average American with like, I don't know, 10 or 20 million dollars. That's a lot more money than the average American has, John. Oh, okay. Well, like 8 million then? That's poor, right? You couldn't even buy a district court judge for that money, let alone a Supreme Justice. Let's just try and focus on the security of America's elections if we can. Oh, I'd be happy to, Sam, because let me tell you, ever since Joe Biden stole the 2020 election, my, um, I mean, Trump's supporters have been working tirelessly to make sure that such a con can never happen again. We're going to secure our process, Sam. Lock it down tight like the Mexican border used to be. What, you mean you're still going to let thousands of votes in and just needlessly separate some of them from their parents? We'll do whatever it takes, Sam. We have to make sure every Republican vote counts. Two or three times, ideally. And if that doesn't work, we'll find ways to throw out all the fraudulent votes that just happen to be for Democrats. Either way is good with me. We're going to win big, Sam, and then all these phony investigations are going to be dead in the water. When the Republicans retake the House, they're going to investigate Biden for everything. Everything. Hunter Biden, Hillary's emails, the Russia hoax, you name it. They're going to impeach him at least three times. Just you wait and see, and then it'll be his turn to be the most impeached president in history. John, I've got to say, it feels like we have this same insane conversation every time you come on. There is still no evidence that the 2020 election was stolen, and Trump still hasn't presented any argument beyond I feel like I won. The big lie is fueling all kinds of... It's not a big lie, Sam. God, you mainstream media hacks are so rude. Awful people. All of you. You just can't stand that real Americans can see the truth that Donald Trump is the best and most handsome president in American history, with normal-sized hands and a weenie that looks nothing like a butter mushroom. And Democrats are baby-killing Satan worshippers who are trying to steal our elections and drag our country into hell. Which is exactly the kind of rhetoric the man who attacked Paul Pelosi was spouting, John. This torrent of partisan bile coming from you in the Trump camp is clearly inspiring extremist acts of violence from the unstable and easily influenced, and it's downright shocking that so many Republicans have failed to condone it. What do you think I'm supposed to condone, Sam? Some people are saying Paul Pelosi was attacked by a male prostitute invited into his home. Some people are saying it was a drunken sex party and satanic ritual gone wrong. Which is the truth the mainstream media are refusing to report. It's also the truth the attacker himself is refusing to report, given that he's a self-confessed MAGA and QAnon fantasist who says he targeted the Pelosi household because he wanted to break the speaker's kneecaps. Fake news, Sam. That man is an Antifa crisis actor. You mark my words. John, this is just mad. We're talking about an 82-year-old man having his skull fractured with a hammer by a political extremist, in full view of the police officers responding to the incident. You don't get to just invent a narrative that excuses violence like that. I'm not inventing anything, Sam. In fact, I'm not even saying it. I'm saying some people are saying it. Well, what's the difference? About a billion dollars. 
if you ask Alex Jones, which I don't anymore, because even my lawyers are advising me not to. You're not at all concerned about the political climate heading into these midterms, then? Concerned? Me? Not at all, Sam. In fact, I couldn't be happier. We've got the most legitimate Supreme Court in history. The January 6th committee is about to be disbanded, and the Republicans are about to sweep to a great victory in the House and the Senate. I've never felt more positive for the future of Trump America. Sorry, did you mean to say Trump's America? Not at all, Sam. Trump America is going to be the rebrand. America 2.0. I'm going to put Trump in big gold letters across the West Coast so Big Putin can see it from Moscow. I'm probably going to have to flatten LA to fit the R in, but that place is a shithole anyway. I'm telling you, it's going to be the biggest relaunch in history. The biggest. It's going to be worth trillions of dollars. How are you going to do all that, John? I thought you worked a nine-to-five at the Coca-Cola garage. Oh. Well, I'm talking the royal we, aren't I? And not the special package you can buy from two ladies in a Russian hotel. I'm talking about the MAGA movement, Sam. We're coming from the midterms and we're going to win. And then Donald Trump is going to be president again in 2024. And that means he definitely can't go to jail. Christ, I'd laugh, but it really is a genuine possibility. You better believe it, Sam. But don't worry, when you guys vote Boris Johnson back in, in two years' time, you'll get to feel this positivity too. (sighs) Good Lord, just kill me. You're going to have to marry Nancy Pelosi if you want me to inspire someone to do that. Trump out, make America great again. Woohoo! Bye, Sam. Back home in the UK, this week it was once again the Bank of England's turn to try and cheer us all up in the face of economic Armageddon. As inflation goes full spinal tap and threatens to head all the way up to 11%, that is, the bank once again stepped in by raising interest rates. It's a move that adds yet more pressure on household finances ahead of the anticipated spending cuts and tax increases in the autumn budget. The big question facing Jeremy Hunt is whether or not he can make the savings that are necessary after 12 years of Tory mismanagement of the economy without infuriating the public. Tom King has the key to the dimensional gate this week, and he's been travelling the multiverse in search of a solution. Thanks, Sam. It's been a week of dire economic forecasts and grim warnings from the Bank of England. Britain may have already entered what's due to be a painful and lengthy recession, with interest rates almost certain to continue to rise in an attempt to head off spiralling inflation. That's on top of this week's hike to 3%, the bank's single biggest increase in over 30 years. Mortgages are set to rise, unemployment will quite possibly double and millions of families who are already struggling look set to be plunged into even further hardship. There's no polite way of putting it. We are pretty much bollocksed. Thank goodness then that our new Prime Minister is so relentlessly focused on Jeremy Corbyn, a man who hasn't led the Labour Party for three fucking years. Now, we're not entirely sure what Sunak and Hunt, just try and say those two names together fast without swearing, 
are planning in November's budget statement. Unfortunately, the rhetoric leaking from the Westminster sieve certainly doesn't feel very upbeat so far. We've already heard whispers that everybody will have to face potential tax increases, tempered with the usual platitudes about the broadest shoulders taking the bigger hit which basically means that almost everyone is set to get kicked in the bollocks. And the Tories will expect the proles to admire those in cash-padded fatsuits who didn't even feel it. Jeremy Hunt is going to want the entire country to make their own individual sacrifices. Whether that's one less jet ski a year for the wealthiest or one of the kids not eating that week for the poorest. And really... Who are we to judge which hardship is nobler? We're all in this together, remember? Whatever Tweedlecut and Tweedlecunt end up deciding, what's certain is that there is now a black hole worth tens of billions in the nation's finances. Never mind that a huge chunk of it is a result of the aftershocks of Trussonomics or a direct consequence of the Tories' disastrous brand of Brexit or could have been plugged by any number of decisions Sunak could have made better back when he was Chancellor. That's all in the past. And what's important now is that we all pay for it. And yes, we could look at complicated solutions like clamping down on tax havens and closing so many of our tax loopholes or taxing capital gains better. But that simply won't deliver the precision and efficiency of mercilessly brutalising the poor. Which, as we all know, is always the preferred Tory way here on Earth Prime. The trick for any Conservative Chancellor is always to find a way to sell that trademark brutality to the great British plebs. Remarkably, they never actually have to work that hard to do it. Even now, as Britain teeters on the edge of the very fiscal abyss he's spent the last three years driving us towards, Rishi Sunak is currently polling better than Keir Starmer when it comes to trust over their handling of the economy. Despite historically nearly always spending more and somehow delivering less than a Labour government, the Tories are still seen as the more capable hand on the tiller of the economy. Now, if Jeremy Hunt needs some ideas on how to squeak the pips out of the public, he could do a lot worse than checking out some of the options elsewhere in the multiverse. This, for instance, is Earth Uniform Bikini Bush Tucker Trial 78. And here the Tories have found a genius way to get tax revenue out of the general public without pissing any of them off. It's an entirely opt-in system and all the government does is offer incentives. Yes, it took a small initial investment when ITV was nationalised and brought into public ownership, but the Exchequer is already reaping huge dividends. And what's more, the public love it. Away, man! Welcome back to I'm a Celebrity, where Matt Hancock has been voted into his record 827th Bush Tucker trial. He's now going to have to eat 15 fermented bison penises before walking over hot coals and putting a live scorpion up his ass. That was the bonus round you all voted for, which, by the way, is going to pay for a new hospital in Wakefield, so thanks for that. It's kind of genius, really. One pound fifty a vote, and all the government need to do is keep producing politicians the general public hate so much that they act 
actively want to see them suffer. Aye, and don't forget to tune in later on when Jacob Rees-Mogg is going to have his balls slathered in treacle before getting stuffed up a chimney with a hungry honey badger. The people of Newport thank you for that one, because it's got them two new libraries and a public poo. The only downside, morally, is that some of these people had to be forcibly deported to Australia, which should have been simple on paper, but it did take Suella Braverman 12 years to set it up. I'm Tom King, and I'm about to watch a dick eat some cock Reporting for IC News. Tom's highly entertaining glimpse into the glorious future of reality television brings us to the end of our broadcast. We'll be back again at the same time next week, but we wouldn't want you to spend all that time alone shivering in the dark. It's time to tuck you in under a warm blankie and leave you now with the reassuring nightlight of the headlines you may have missed. The former Prime Minister of Pakistan and cricket icon Imran Khan is shot in the leg during an attempted assassination, in possibly the most painful LBW of his career. Elon Musk fires half of Twitter's staff after profits plummet following his takeover, as it turns out that free speech absolutism also extends to companies deciding who they want to advertise with. Students in Wales claim the cost of living crisis has made the atmosphere in university house shares more hostile. Hardly surprising, as I was pissed off with some third-team rugby prick pinching my lure pack 20 years ago, and that was before it cost eight quid. And finally, in the run-up to Christmas, bounty bars are to be removed in trial tubs of celebrations. 40% of us reportedly despise the chocolate bar, while the other 60% are lying psychopaths, paedophiles and monsters. You've been listening to IC News. Thank you, and goodbye. me, Danny Sutcliffe. I'm here today with the right bargain for you. And no, it's not just the mystery me I've got in the back of my van. Although that is also primo stuff, so meet me behind odd bins and flash your full beams if you're interested. If you haven't joined our Patreon yet, we've got a special offer for you. Sign up now as one of our early bird supporters and you can get access to all of our exclusive content for just £2 a month. If you want bonus podcast sketches, compilation episodes and ICU stories, this is the cheapest you're ever going to get them. You've got to be quick though, this deal is limited to the first 500 patrons and they'll get snapped up quick. It's the best way to show your support for the show and you'll be helping us to grow moving forwards. As always, thank you for all of your support and we hope you enjoy the show. And no, it's not badger meat. And if Brian May tries to tell you otherwise, he's a fucking liar.